Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads Community Church, our vision is to awaken the city of Pittsburgh and surrounding areas by creating cool places to experience God in local neighborhoods throughout Pittsburgh and beyond. Now here is this week's message. All right, as um, as you are getting situated and getting seated, uh, there is a, a, a story I want to share with you really quickly, uh, and this is a true story, true story. Um, and uh, how many of you have ever heard of this group called the uh, Life Saving Society? Anybody ever hear of it? Amazing group, true story. Uh, I was, um, I listened to like sermon podcasts like daily, several times a day. And uh, I think it was maybe a month ago, a couple of weeks ago, I heard a pastor talking about this particular society. And I thought this was amazing. Uh, In the late 1800s, there was a group of people that decided in one community that they would dedicate their lives to saving people from like drowning accidents and boating accidents uh, and that kind of thing. Uh, and all kind of water accidents, and um, people from all over this community came in, and they volunteered their time and their talents to just saving people's lives. Uh, they weren't getting paid for it. They just did it because it was the right thing to do. Uh, they would go in and volunteer their time and take shifts and, and do whatever they needed to save people that came into, like, all these water accidents and all that stuff. And people from all over acknowledged this group and their ability to save lives. Now, eventually, you know, as other organizations were established with more resources and, and with government backing, like Coast Guard-type things and that kind of thing, and navies and all that kind of stuff, uh, this group stopped doing that. Um, they began to just continue to meet, but they weren't saving lives. They would reminisce about when they saved lives. They would talk about when they saved lives. They would try to, you know, celebrate the lives that they saved and did that. Uh, but they, they began to keep meeting, but not saving lives. And the amazing but unfortunate parallel is that's exactly what's happened to the church. The church was designed as an organization, a group, a living entity designed to save lives. But... Uh, That has, as you can see in our culture, slowly declined. I mean, the way that Christ created the church and equipped the church and trained the church was for the sole specific purpose of saving lives. But today, uh, as you see in a lot of churches, Church Big C, uh, there's a lot of meeting going on. There's a lot of talking about how we used to save lives. There's a lot of devotion to building bigger buildings to get more people to come in and hear about how we used to save lives. But there's not a whole lot of life-saving going on. But when Christ built the church, it wasn't designed to be something that would, over the course of time, dwindle in intensity. It wasn't supposed to be something that would, uh, like the life-saving society, uh, become obsolete by something bigger or better or something else that someone else came and put together. Now, uh, for you guys that have been around for a while, you know, over time, things do become obsolete, right? Things get replaced by things. How many of you guys had 8-track players? Anybody? Okay. 
Actually, more people admitted that than I thought, but that's good. That's good. Uh, those of you who have no idea what it is, I don't even think you can Google it really because they just, I don't even think it shows up anymore. Uh, I don't even think it's on like Wikipedia, but 8-track player, it w- we'll, you'll see. Um, after the 8-track player, how many of you guys had these cassette players? Yeah, yeah. Like that was high tech back in the day. The one all the way up there, high tech. How many of you guys had Walkmans? <coughs> And for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, it was the predecessor to like to the what most people have what portable CD players. I would love like I don't I would love that CD player that's the sneaker. <laughs> that is just too cool. Like I don't even listen to CDs anymore, but I would buy that just just to say I have one. But then as you guys realize, I know many of you know what a CD player is, but there's a generation now that has no idea what CDs are because they listen to everything via MP3, MP3 player, or, like, on their iPhone. Like, seven and eight and nine-year-olds, they have, they listen to music this way. They don't have eight-track... They, they don't even know what eight-track player is. Some of them can't even count to eight, but they have this stuff. But they, they have no idea what any of that stuff is because it's all been replaced. I mean, those things became obsolete as music players, and they were replaced by something. But the church was not meant to become obsolete. The church was actually meant and equipped to become viral. Now, viral means that it's, 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 it spreads and that it gains an in intensity. Now, um, how many of you guys remember, like, if you think of, I know some of you, if you look on YouTube, there are videos that have gone viral. How many of you guys remember the Dance Revolution video where the guy was dancing and doing all the kind of, all that kind of, I'm not going to do that, but he, <laughs> all right, I, no, uh, but I mean, you saw that, and it was like millions of views, like in just a couple of days, and then there was uh, the Friday, Rebecca, Rebecca Black, I mean, I'm not going to sing it, because you will hate me and go home with that song in your head, but it went viral, and it, here's the thing, it went viral, even though everyone that listened to it said, I hate this, let me share it with all my friends. And in a matter of days, like, millions of, of people had watched this video. And you guys remember the, uh, the how many of you guys saw recently the, what is it, Find Coney or Make Coney Infamous? The, 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 there's a dictator guy in Africa, and uh, everyone wanted to publicize who he was because he was hiding out. So, like, literally, I think they said it was the most viral video in history because in a matter of, I think, like a week, Millions upon millions of people has spread this video around. That's what viral means. That's what the term viral means. It means here. It literally means that something is spreading. It starts from one person. It goes on to another and another. And we get that term from the word virus. And a virus is something that kind of spreads with everyone it comes into contact with. Now, in order for something to be viral, there's a couple of characteristics of something being viral. First, again, it has to spread. It's not viral if it's contained in a local place. I mean, that, that, it could be a virus that gets contained, but it hasn't become viral until it spreads, until it goes beyond where it started from. And here's the thing. The church is no longer viral. And I shared, I don't know, weeks or months ago where uh, these are projections, and they could be wrong, and I pray they're wrong, that they say that in 10 years, like 60% of the existing local congregations that exist around the globe today will no longer be there. 60% because people won't be going to them. 
Now, I don't know if that's because people aren't seeking God or people aren't telling people about God, but though they project if we continue on the path we are now within 10 years, 60% of all of the local churches will cease to exist. So it, uh, it's something to be viral. It has to spread. It has to be impactful. It has to um, impact or, or, or whatever. And the video Either people loved the video and so they shared it with their friends or for some reason they hated it and they're like, you got to see this. This is the worst thing ever. And they share it with their friends. And the same with a virus. It impacts you. It makes you sick. Even if it makes you sick, when you go around others and you touch them, uh, you make them sick. That's why we have like hand gel in the back because some people still come to church coughing up phlegm and all the while. Because great that you want to be here, but we do stream it. You can watch it from home. But... It, you can, it, it's, it, here's the other thing. It makes, it has to be adaptive. Do you know why virus, how many saw the movie Contagion? Now, I've watched a lot of, like, scary, scary movies. That was the scariest movie to me ever, ever. Like, really? Because, one, because it could very easily happen. Not that particular virus, but the spread could very easily happen. And the length of time it would take to contain it, um, for them it was, I think it was over the course of, months or a year, uh, it could very easily impact, and in that movie, Kill, I mean, it's called Contagion, so I'm not spoiling it for you. If you didn't get what was going to happen, I can't help you, but it could very easily happen that a virus could impact that many people and make that many people sick, and the reason they said that it was kept spreading is because it was adapting. It was changing. Every time it got out a little bit, it would change based on the people that it impacted. Here is what has happened to the church. A lot of local churches refuse to change. And it's not changing the message. The message, what we preach, all comes from here, should not change. Same thing, doesn't change, been around for, it shouldn't change. But the way that we share the message should change. If I pulled out an eight-track player, and tried to play it for people today to share the message, a lot of them, one, they'd either walk away or they'd have no idea what I'm doing. So you have to adapt the way that you share the message. And here's the thing, if you don't, then you're not going to be viral, you're not going to spread, you're not going to go beyond uh, wherever you are. But let me show you what the church was designed to be. Now, you can follow along in your Bible, but because of time, I have... All these verses up here on the screen. We're only going to hit two uh, passages. The first one is in Matthew chapter 16, verses 16 through 18. So if you have a Bible, you can pull it out and turn to Matthew 16, or you can follow along up here, or you can write this down. Um, Either way, whatever works for you. And in Matthew chapter 16, uh, starting in verse 15, actually, and, and Jesus, this is where Jesus was talking to his disciples. And he had asked them, who do people say that I am? What are people saying about me? What are people talking about the message? What, what's their interpretation of what I'm saying? And then they told him, they say, some say you're John the Baptist, who has already been executed, but come back. Some say you're Elijah, you're, you're this prophet from long ago, who God has brought back to share his message. And then he asked them, but what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ the son of the living God. Now, this is Simon Peter saying, he said, you are the Christ. The word he used was, you are the Messiah, which indicated that he was somewhat aware of the Old Testament prophecies 
that said that, you know, this person, the Messiah, was going to come. And he had said, I believe it, you are the Messiah. Now, the other thing he says, that he defines the Christ, the Messiah, as the son of the living God. So they knew that, hey, the son of God would be coming. Now, uh, he goes on and he says, as this is, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man but by my Father in heaven. And he tells him, he said, you have this, this, this mixed idea of who I am, but the clarity that you are speaking right now is a God thing. It's not a you thing, and it's not that he's saying you're not that bright. He's just saying it's a God thing. God has allowed you to see me for who I really am. And then in verse 18, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. He says, on this rock, I will build my church. Now, the rock being the revelation, God revealing who I am. On that revelation, I will build the church, the church, the ecclesia, the called. That would be all of us. And here's the thing. Everyone who calls themselves a part of the church, he says, the gates of hell are not supposed to overcome it. Time is not supposed to overcome it. The government is not supposed to overcome it. Nothing is supposed to overcome the church. And yet we sit today in a state of decline. Now, um, he goes on to say, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And depending upon how the, the actual Greek is interpreted, some people say it's interpreted to mean whatever you bind on earth is because it is already bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth is because it's already loosed in heaven. And no matter how you interpret it, Jesus is making clear that for you guys, for us, that say we're the church, check, check, check. Is that better? How long ago did that drop out? Oh, okay. All right. All right, so he says, all authority, all power of rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He says that all of the authority, every aspect of it, any aspect of ruling and power and authority has been given to him, whether it be on earth or whether it be in heaven. He has everything under his authority. And then he goes on to say this. He says, therefore, because I have that, because I have all authority, nothing happens in heaven without my say, on earth without my say. I am the ruler of the universe. He says, therefore, because of that, go and make disciples of all nations. Do you know what a disciple is? A disciple is someone who we call it, we say it's a student. But literally, in Jesus' day, uh, whenever the, uh, like the Pharisees or the teachers, they had students that would follow them around. And whenever they would go do something, then the student would follow and do whatever they did. So if they went and they spent a couple hours reading, then the student would go spend a couple hours reading. If they went out to smell the roses, to commune with nature, the student would go out to commune with nature. That's what a disciple was, someone who would follow. So in other words, he's telling us, therefore, go and make disciples. Go and make Christ followers. That's what the church is supposed to do. And then baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. This is what we're supposed to do. This is, this is, our, this is for lack of a better term, this is what the church was hired to do. This is our job. This is what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be making Christ followers. We're supposed to be baptizing them. And then we're supposed to be teaching them to observe everything that 
Christ has commanded. And the problem is, is that we do a mishmash of this. We don't do this. We go out and instead of teaching people to observe everything that they commanded after they've become Christ followers and been baptized, we go out and tell people who are not Christ followers, have not been baptized into the family, we go out and tell them, you should live like Christ. We go out and tell people who are, for lack of a better term, sinners like we all were, we go out and tell them, hey, you should live like Christ. You should stop doing this. You should stop doing that. You should stop doing that. And that's not what he says. He says, first, we're supposed to go out and share Christ with them. And as they become Christ followers, then baptize them into the family. Same way when there's a wedding, you get married and you're welcomed into the family. And then we are to teach them to observe everything that I've commanded. We are not to command them. We are to teach them to observe everything that they commanded. And what Jesus commanded is all in here. We're supposed to teach them this. This is what we're supposed to teach them, to observe. God's word. Not our rules, not our regulations, not here's how we do it at this church. You can't do this. You must do that. We're just supposed to say, hey, you know what? Here's what God's word says. And then point them back to God. Now, he goes on and he says, and behold, I am with you all the days perpetually, uniformly, and on every occasion to the very close and consummation of the age. Amen. So let it be. In other words, we, we not only are, 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 are we supposed to go out and make disciples and baptize them and then teach them, but we're not supposed to do it alone. We're supposed to do it with Jesus. Every step of the way, he is with us. And that word, amen, we overuse it. It literally means so let it be or as it, so let this happen or we're in agreement with this. But the problem is the church is not in agreement. The church, the body of Christ, Big C Church, is the most diverse. I mean, there are more denominations than there are nations on the planet. It is the most diverse thing in existence. And it's it strayed from what it used to be because there used to be, uh, at, at the end of the Apostles' Creed or somewhere in the Apostles' Creed, it says, uh, we, the one holy Catholic church, and everybody used to quote that because they all used to follow the same teaching and have the same belief. And the word Catholic didn't mean the Catholic church today. It meant Catholic meaning unified, unity, one church. And everybody used to be in agreement with that. But then the Catholic church split with the Protestants because Luther came up and said, hey, you guys are doing this wrong. You're telling us we have to do this, but we shouldn't be doing this. We should be doing this. And he pinned the whole list to the door. And you guys remember the whole Reformation. And so Protestants and Catholics split. Then within Protestants, there was a split because Methodists said, we need to do it this way. And Presbyterians said, no, we need to do it based on the order of the church and the structure and the rule and the government. So they split. And since then, they've within each of those had numerous splits. And then the Pentecostal split because they said, you guys are arguing over how to understand the word, but you're not living out the word. And we want to live out the word, the Holy Spirit in us. So they split. And then within them, there's so many split after split after split. We've taken the resources that God has given us and we've kind of spread them out all over the place. That's not exactly the type of viral that God had in mind. But if, if, if this, this I'm, I'm going to get on this bandwagon again. If the church would actually ever come together, not the ch- like the church, big C, and put all of that aside and let God be the source of defining how that worked, can you imagine how powerful? Christy and I were in, <coughs> excuse me, we were in um, the D.C. area this weekend because her, her sister's getting married and she had to go do dress stuff and all that junk. <coughs> Thrilling weekend. But. While we were there, we heard on the news, um, and I don't remember, did they say two or three? They're opening two 
or three uh, marijuana clinics in Washington, D.C., to where you can go in and you get marijuana. And this, I've said this before, and it, it's mind-boggling to me. If the potheads can get together and impact the government to pass legislation to allow people to... Sp- and it's not even like, you know how sometimes the government, when they put their hands on something, it's very legislated? It's like you've got to be, you know, it's, there's so many paperwork and it's got to be all these things done. Not so with the pot clinics, because there are people, we, 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 I, I don't know what show is, one of the judge shows, someone with asthma had a pot clinic card. Really? And the judge said, well, what, what, what is your marijuana card for it? Well, I have asthma. <coughs> but this, this, is what, this is what happens when people who put their differences aside, now think about it, and I'm, I'm I'm not trying to offend the potheads, but potheads got together. That in itself is a miracle. And said, dude, let's make this legal. How do we do that? I don't know. Let's call D.C. What's the number? And now there, I mean, there are states where it's legal. And this, and the church, we're like, man, I wish we could pray in school. I wish we could have this gathering. I wish we could do this, or I wish we could do that. And I feel embarrassed, for lack of a better term, that we've got to look to potheads to say, how do we get together to make something happen? I mean, seriously, we should literally be ashamed of ourselves as Christ followers. But here's, let me share this with you this morning, because there are churches. I'm very critical of the church. Not, not because I think I'm all that good. I know I'm not. But because I know what God's word says that he created. And the power that is supposed to be in the church. And the authority that is supposed to be in the church. And the life-saving capability that exists within the church. When we put our human differences aside and let God allow us to do what he created, called, and equipped us to do. Because the church is supposed to save lives. And there are many, many good local congregations that are doing just that. And for example, I said this is 110 years. Beulah Baptist is is celebrating 110 years. Because in this community, in Jefferson Hills, 110 years ago, or somewhere around there, there was a a, a life-saving society in this community. There was an organization that, that, that it actually started because, let me share with you the history. This is amazing, the way that God has used this church. It actually started because, in, it, it actually is before 1902, but that's when the, uh, the church seal reached chartered in 1902. And there were two young Scottish missionaries, and I believe they were women. And they were in a schoolhouse in an area called the Patch, somewhere, or, or what's called Number 7 in large Pennsylvania. And they said, hey, you know what? There is a need for people in this community to hear the word of God. And so they said, let's go do it. Let's go share God's message with people. Now, the church seal reads uh, 1902, and there is an actual record book somewhere. um, And it says that two years later, Reverend Paul, an evangelist from Pittsburgh, took up the work so successfully that a mission room was erected on old Route 51. They were doing such a good job 
at saving lives, at ministering the word of God to people, that they said, we can't just do this kind of like willy-nilly. We got we to gotta build a place out of which we can continue to do this. And the property was given by uh, Emmeline McGrew, and it was called Beulah Mission. And I believe in this picture, uh, that picture, if you can see it, it's on the front of your bulletin, is Russ McGrew. And um, I think it's his father. I'm not sure. Then in 1911, all the believers came together in the little chapel, and they elected Reverend Rockwell as chairman, accepted the covenant and doctrines of the regular Baptist church as their rule of faith, and organized themselves as a body of Christian workers known as the Beulah Baptist Mission, and officers were elected. And over the years, the pastors, there was Reverend Rockwell, uh, Reverend E.H. Leisure, Reverend O.H. McCracken, Reverend Hughes, not this one because this is in 1918 and I am not that old. Reverend Bailey, Reverend Hughes again, Reverend Hanson, Reverend Robinson, Reverend Ransbottom, Reverend Smith, Reverend Merle Champion, Reverend Raymond Patterson, Reverend Donald Hazel, Reverend James Seafried Sr., Reverend Eugene Turney, Reverend Rick Patrick, Reverend Kurt Francis, Pastor Jay Fields, and then myself. And I got to tell you, I... I I feel so honored and privileged just to be a part of doing the work that they started over 110 years ago. Now, here's the thing. Our goal, what we need to do, is to continue to make Jesus viral, to share the good news of Jesus Christ in this community. And you guys have heard me talk about this before. Uh, how um, it's important that we not focus on just getting people into this building, but that we focus on those who do come in this building, equipping them to go out and share the message of Jesus Christ. Now, uh, the building, again, I, I said this building is, is, is not important. It's important because people worked and put their time and their energy, and literally people that I've met that said, hey, I built this building, are the ones who literally with their hands, they laid bricks and built this building. And in 1920, that was uh, what the building looked like. And then in 1972, uh, this is after they did the expansion. And then we are a result. Crossroads Community Church, we exist because of the work that people came before us did. Because as a life-saving society in this community, they said, we're not just going to continue to meet. We're not just going to reminisce about all the good things we used to do. We're going to continue to focus on saving lives. And if you talk to people in this community, every organization, there have been some good times, some great times. I hear great things about what Beulah has done over the years, but there's also been some bad times. I hear things about, all oh, bad this and bad that. But you know what the good thing is? We're still here. And we're still committed to doing what God has called us to do. Now, here's the thing. I'm I shared this before, but let me share it again. Our mission, very simple. Very simple. If anyone asks you, what is your church trying to do? What's the mission? Our mission is to be the church. Period. That's what we are here to do. If they want to know anything more than that, that's where we say, hey, well, let me share with you what God has called, not just us, but the church, this life-saving entity that he left on earth to do. To share the love of Christ, show the love of Christ. That is our primary goal. That's our primary responsibility. That's why we exist. That's why we're here. And our vision is not to just do that here, but to do that 
everywhere that God gives us, not just in this community, but in any community. And we don't have to put our name on it. That's why, how many of you guys, uh, Darren, and, and they're planning, a, I, I'm going to missio the church that they're planning. Um, I don't even remember the area anymore. Cannonsburg. All right, which, by the way, he says, those of you who have said we're going to pray for him, if you send him, um, go on Facebook or email him or call him, send in your name, address, phone, email, or whatever, he wants to update you as you pray for him on their progress. And we want to, hey, we said, hey, it's not going to be called Crossroads. It's not going to be an offshoot of this. But you're going out to share and to show the love of Christ. We want to be a part of making that happen any way we can. If it's just praying for you, encouraging you, whatever we can do to help. Because that's what the church is called to do, regardless of denominational walls, regardless of location. We're not limited to just this area. Especially when we have a God who is bigger than the planet that we're trying to reach. Now, this is why we put so much emphasis on a lot of the things that we do. And I know not everybody can do all the stuff that we do, but um, um, I got to tell you guys, and I'm not trying to brag, but there are churches that are 10 times the size of what we are that are not doing a tenth of what we are trying to do to reach people. And I realize we have a handful of people and we don't want to burn everyone out. But you know what? If God calls us to do it, he's got to give us the resources. He's got to give us the finances. He's got to give us the human people to make it happen. And so that's why we're constantly, every time you turn around, hey, we're doing this. Hey, we're trying to do that. Hey, we're trying to do this. Come be a part. Come be a part. Come be a part. And I realize you cannot be a part of everything, but do something. Pick something that excites you, that you're passionate about, and say, I am going to get involved in this because I want to help save lives. And at the end of this, uh, end of this month, um, through stands for Community uh, ready, equipped, and willing. Now, here's the thing about the crew. Not everybody can go because sometimes it is physical labor. We're weeding, we're cleaning, doing all kind of stuff. But you know what you can do? Uh, there are these bulletins or brochures in the back. You can give them to people. And you can just take a couple. There's a stink bug, but I'm going to hold it. I'm going to pray for me. This is, remember we talked about needing prayer? Okay. But um, you can take these. Just take a couple. Put them in your purse or your book bag or whatever. And when you hear somebody say, hey, I have a need, I wish somebody could, just take one out and say, here you go. Or when you hear somebody say, hey, we're looking to get involved in the community, take one out and say, here you go. Just carry them on you to hand out to people so when the opportunity arises, you don't have to say, I'll wait till Sunday and go back and grab one, and then hopefully you run into that person again. Just give one to people. And if you're of the mindset that, hey, I like working with my hands and doing all that kind of stuff, or you know what? I'm only going to check it out. Just show up just to check it out and see what it's like if you've never checked it out before. Uh, they're meeting on um, April the 28th. They're meeting here at 9.30. Is that correct? Meeting here at 9.30. And here's the thing. This is not limited to our church because Judy has reached out to other people. And the goal from the beginning was to reach out. Christians or non-Christians, just bring the community together so that we can forge relationships in helping us meet the needs of people in the community. And if the opportunity arises, we can share the gospel with someone. We do. Every home we go into, uh, if they allow us to, we will pray for them. And if they don't, hey, we're okay with that. We're still going to help them out. But then there's lots of other ways you can do it. If you've been to any of the events that the community impact team does. Now, here's the thing. Um, I have to admit that there's a couple of things that started with the community impact team that I kind of hijacked 
away from Rachel. Like the whole coat thing started as a community impact thing where we were supposed to have people come here and we were going to gift wrap coats for them right before Christmas and all that stuff. And then I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And we hijacked it and took it downtown. But that started as a community impact thing. And the goal for the community impact team is we're only going to do three types of events. Ones that allow us to preach the gospel where we share a message or in some way with people. Or ones that bring the community together, like the Beast Feast. How many of you guys came to the Beast Feast? We didn't preach at anyone. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't try to share. The, it was just an opportunity to bring the community together. And the third type are ones like where we take the coats out, where we just meet the needs of people in the community. And again, if you're interested in any of that stuff, just do something. Find one thing and say, this is what I'm going to do. Talk to one of the team leaders and say, hey, here's where I want to get involved because God has equipped me in some way or fashion, and I want to be invested in helping to save lives. Now, there's other stuff that we do that's on more of the spiritual nature. For example, we have a baptism coming up that we're going to do. Um, wow, I'm bad with dates. On May, the weekend of Memorial Day weekend. Is that what it says? Yeah, the weekend of Memorial Day weekend. So we're, we have people that said, hey, we, we want to get baptized, and we're going to uh, do it that weekend. And if you're interested in, in being baptized, then come see me and talk to me. We're also going to have a graduation party that Sunday morning. Our celebration is going to be themed around graduation party because we want to come alongside our youth and young adults and say, hey, we realize you're taking your next step in life. We want to pray for you. We want to encourage you. We want to be a part. You know why? Because statistics tell us that once they step out of high school, and, and they say 50, but it's more like 60 to 75% of them will never step foot in the church again. They're going into a culture that's going to impress upon them. Earn as much money as you can. That's your first priority. Your second priority, find someone to spend it with. That's what the culture is going to tell them. And if any of you have been around for any length of time, both of those are like full-time deals that can consume you. And so many of them will not step foot into a church again. But we're also going to have, like, the marauders come down. And, and you know what? They're, they're going to be able to speak to and reach people in a way that I just can't, in a way that you just can't. Friends that you have that might not listen to you will listen to their stories because their stories are probably more in line with your friends or your coworkers or your fellow students than, like, yours or mine. And there's something that they might say that will impact them differently than anything you or I could say to save their life. But you know one of the other resources we have? And these are resources where we initially invested some money into putting them up, but they kind of don't take any additional cost for us to do them, and they're only there so that people can come. And I'm not as concerned do they come to this building, but they're only there so that they can go on our website and check out what's going on with our church if they're looking for a place. And you'd be surprised at how many people go online and check out our website. And I had a list, and I forgot to bring it, of, of the top things that they check. The first thing that they check, they come to our welcome page, and, and the very next thing above our welcome page that they check, that they go on and look at, is where on the left-hand corner it says our team. They go to look at who makes up the people in this church. And then the next highest site that they visit and spend time on, children's ministry. That tells me that there are a lot of families looking for a place to go worship, which means either they're not worshiping somewhere right now, or maybe they are, but wherever they're doing it is not meeting their needs. And then the next highest place that they go is they go to um, check out under our ministries where it says our message. And I am shocked sometimes because so many people 
like friends that probably would not step foot in this church. You know, a lot of people would be like, no, I'm never going to church. No, I'm never going to church. And then they go creep on the download and download the message and listen to it. And they won't tell you. You'll be like, you should come to my church. Here's what we talked about. Oh, we had a good time. Oh, this is what we talked about this. We talked about that. And they won't, well, I'm never going, oh, they'll just ignore you. But then they're listening when you tell the website, and they will go check it out. And the interesting thing, there are, in addition to the United States, there are like nine other countries where people have accessed our website to download these messages from Brazil, Germany, Indonesia, Thailand, uh, and I can't remember the other ones. And I was just amazed at how many people from around the globe will come and download and listen to the messages and check out our website. And the good thing is, again, in the back, on the table back there, there's a little card business card side, and all it has on it is our website address and our logo. And you could just take some of those and put them in your pocket, and the next time you're talking to someone, because this happens where you're, you're talking to someone and they're like, you know, you ever been in this situation where someone who you wouldn't expect to, yes, I'm watching the stink bug, someone who you wouldn't expect to brings up a spiritual topic, kind of like out of the blue, like something about heaven or hell or demons or angels or whatever, and you're like, huh, and you could actually just take one of those cards and say, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago. It's on our website. Just give them the card and say, go check it out. And you don't have to go back and say, did you? You don't have to go back and, and force them and try to wake them up on a Sunday morning and get them to come. You could just say, go check it out. And you could just take those cards and have them with you. Now, here's the thing. You know what is our most underused resource is our whole web scenario. Because you don't have to invite someone to come with you. You could just direct them to go check out the website. You could go direct them to check out our Facebook page. For those of you who don't know what social media is, I cannot help you right now. You're just going to have to trust me on this. But this whole digital world of Facebook and Twitter and blogs and YouTube. Do you guys know we have a YouTube channel? Where we take, thank you, Nick. All right. We take video <laughs> clips of these messages and we put them on YouTube. We have a Facebook page where right now the service, are, this whole celebration is streaming live, except for the part where the mic was out because they have no idea what I said. But it's streaming live, so people who will not get up out of bed, and a lot of people won't to come to church, but they will lean over, click, and say, hmm, well, let me just check out what's going on over there. And hundreds of people will go and check out the live stream of these celebrations. And hundreds of people will go and download these messages. And they may not come back to you and tell you that they did, but all you have to do is either take one of these or take one of the cards just to say, hey, go check it out. And you don't have to go back and feel like you're harassing them. When are you going to come? When are you going to come with me? They'll go do it on their own. This is our most underused resource, the CDs that are on the back table. Because what we've done is every, every message we'll take and we'll put the series. Uh, so as we used to have like one CD per message. Now we just put them on an MP3. So like the whole um, Worth Dying For series will be on one CD um, now that the computers are not crashing, I can actually make it. Uh, and you could just take some. And then when someone says, hey, you know what? Uh, and I get this all the time. I hear people say, doesn't it say such and such, such and such, such and such in the book of Revelation? Doesn't it say such and such? And usually they're like way off. And you can just take, we have the whole Revelation series that we did on one CD. You could just have those in your bag and say, you know what? We talked about that not long ago. Here, why don't you listen? And just hand it to them and be done with it but it's a resource that we don't use. 
And it's not forcing people to come and trying to get them. You got to come to my church. You got to, because it's not about getting them in the building. It's about making Jesus viral. And to make him viral, we've got to get the message out. So let me share this with you quickly because uh, uh, usually what I hear, and you may hear this too, is some people say, oh, if I had known that you guys were talking about that, I probably would have come. Because some people only, you know, come when they hear something that's going to be of interest to them. And a lot of people think when we walk in these doors that we just sit and read the Bible to each other, and that's our uh, Sunday morning celebration. But we're actually going to do upcoming a series called Aftermath where we talk about people actually impacted by the resurrected Jesus Christ, how he impacted their life. We're going to do another series um, this entire summer called Supernatural. Just a supernatural summer where how many people have had people ask them or hear people talking about uh, things about heaven? Okay, we're going to talk about that. Uh, Things about the Trinity? We're going to talk about that. Things about angels? We're going to talk about that. We're going to spend a lot of time on that. Things about the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, connecting to God spiritually, all that kind of stuff we're going to talk about all summer long. And even if you can't make it here, you, you hear someone ask about it, you can either say, hey, we talked about that, and just direct them to the website. Just give them one of the cards. Or if you want one of the CDs, just grab a couple of those. And when someone says, oh, you know what, we talked about that, and hand one of those to them. We're also going to do a series. Now, uh, I've heard over the last probably 12 months, Lots of people telling me that they have friends who have um, marital issues. So we're going to do a series um, that talks about submission is not surrender. Not just marriage, but in every area, submitting your life to Christ. How do we as uh, individuals submit to the government? Because how many people have heard people ranting and raving about the government? Especially when they're giving out legal marijuana. But... So we're going to talk about how do you submit to the government? How do husbands and wives submit to each other? How do kids submit to their parents? How do we submit to, like, workers that we work for that are obviously clueless? And I thought it was really cool because we're going to call the marriage one Lord of the Rings. One person. All right. Anyway, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And uh, in a few minutes, we're going to start our annual business meeting. But before we do that, Uh, When it is somebody's birthday, we'll normally have this thing where we ask people to stand up. So, uh, and we ask that person to stand on a chair. We're not going to do that. We're going to do something a little bit different. Because since we are celebrating the, can you go um, get the cake out of the back? We have a cake for Beulah Baptist Church since we are celebrating their 110th birthday. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask, uh, let's see, well actually we have a whole row of people back there. If you've been at Beulah Baptist more than 10 years, just raise your hand. Okay, great. We're going to ask you guys to just crowd around the cake, and the rest of us are just going to sing happy birthday to Beulah Baptist. So while Diana is bringing out the cake, I'm going to ask everyone to just stand. And I'm going to ask Christy or somebody with a very nice digital mm-hmm. camera if you could take a picture. Happy birthday, Beulah Baptist. Yeah, can you guys go back there by, like, uh, Margaret Miller and Jackie and Karen and all you guys who have been around for 10 years, just everybody get around. 
we're going to give Christy a minute to get in there with her. Don't worry, we'll take another picture at the end before we dig into the cake. But just everybody just join me, extend your hands out, and just join me in singing Happy Birthday to Beulah. Ready? And all right, now you can stay where you are, you can grab a seat. We're going to sing one last song because um, I think it's important that as a church we remember why we're here. Bow your heads for a moment. God, we pray that we would never forget while we're here. That we're not here just to gather, not to just fill this building with people, but to fill this building with people who are madly and crazy in love with you and to send them out to share your word, to make your name known amongst the nations, God. God, we pray that we would continue to be a church that uses the gifts, the talents, the resources, human and financial, that you provide to us to save lives, to share your name, to exalt your name, to spread your glory. God, we pray that you would be exalted in everything that we do. Thank you for allowing us to be your church. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you guys for coming. I pray that God continues to bless you as he continues to bless us.